Welcome to Christian Faith Center. We're a church that meets in multiple locations. If you'd like to know more about our church, just head to our website, experiencecfc.com. Thanks for joining us. I want you to grab your Bibles with me. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 14. I'm going to jump right into the Bible today. I only have an hour and a half left in this service. They told me since we're doing one, I have the time of two. Is that not? No, I'm kidding. All right, Mark chapter 14. I want you to look in verse 32. I want to talk to you about something today that I think is going to speak to each and every one of you and help you if you are or have ever been navigating a season of pressure or pain in your life. How many know and believe that Jesus is the greatest person that's ever been, ever will be, certainly the greatest person that's ever walked here on planet earth? Can I get an amen? Can we just start there? Okay. He is the greatest one. Mark chapter 14. I want to start in verse 32 because we're going to look at a moment in Jesus' life that was very difficult. And I want us to learn today through how Jesus navigated difficult seasons. And we're going to look at these 10 verses together. Starting in verse 32, the Bible says, They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. This was Jesus' favorite place to pray, by the way. A lot of times we think that this was the place he only went when he was troubled. He went here all the time. It was his prayer spot, his thin place. And Jesus said this. He said, sit here. And I want you to see that. He, he said, sit here while I go and pray. And he took three of his disciples. He took Peter, James, and John with him. And he became deeply troubled and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went on a little farther. Everybody say a little farther. And he fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. And in verse 36, he said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Then he returned and he found his disciples asleep. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me for even an hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And then Jesus left them again. And I want you to catch this and prayed the same prayer as before. Twice he petitioned the father that this thing might be spared. Now listen. And when he returned to them again, he found them asleep again for they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say. They couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say. Would you pray with me? And let's ask the Lord to take the next few minutes and speak to each and every one of us. And here's where my faith is today. My faith is that as we learn from the words in the life of Jesus, that something supernatural is going to happen in your life, that if you are dealing with the press right now, that God is supernaturally going to infuse you with wisdom to navigate it different and the power of the Holy Spirit to get up in a strength today you didn't have before. Would you believe that with me? All right, let's learn together. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your word. Speak to us through it. Build us up with it. We pray in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. They went to an olive grove called Gethsemane. Now, Gethsemane is a word that means an oil press. That's what the word means. It means an oil press. And today my job is to talk about enduring the press enduring the seasons that we all face 
in times in life when there seems to be so much pressure on our life that's unbearable. Now, I know there's probably nobody here going through anything difficult right now, but just in case there is, I want to encourage you that you are not alone. Jesus endured very difficult times. He had seasons of pressing where he endured the press. And we'll all face times like this when your soul is weary, when your outlook seems bleak. And can I just preach to you even from a vulnerable place? The last year and a half has revealed to me personally that there are moments when it can seem unbearable. And I know 2020 was probably a walk in the park for you, but for me, it stressed me out, y'all. There was some pressure. There were things coming into this year, navigating circumstances, difficult times in the church, in ministry, in our life, in family. There are seasons of pressure where the press is real. And I want to talk about this and look at how Jesus navigated this. And I want to give you just a few thoughts today that you can jot down. I believe God's going to speak to us through them. But if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, I'd love it if you wrote this down. Number one, here's how Jesus endured the press and how we should too. First of all, he leaned in to the right people. He leaned in to the right people. Jesus entered Gethsemane with 11 of his closest friends. He had had 12 until just a little while before this, but one of them stabbed him in the back. I know you've probably never dealt with that, but Jesus dealt with some betrayal, okay? And so he had 12 friends. (laughs) He entered the garden with 11 friends. And he started to get into a place where he was dealing with difficulty at a higher level. And I need you to see something that happened in the life of Jesus because Jesus understood that if he was going to navigate this moment properly, he had to prune down his circle. Jesus understood that not everyone in your life is right for every season of your life. See, wisdom knows the difference between a comrade and a companion. A lot of us today don't know the difference between the two. A comrade is a friend that's just with you on the journey of life. They'll fight battles with you. They go to work with you. If you need something, they'll come through for you. A comrade will help you move your couch when nobody else will help you move your couch. Come on, somebody. But a companion is a friend that you can trust with your heart. A comrade is a friend that you walk through life with, but a companion is a friend that you can trust with your innermost stuff. And Jesus went from 11 and whittled this down to the three people he knew he could trust, not just with his mission, but he could trust with his heart. See, when you're dealing with pressure in life, it's not enough to have people that you trust in the battle. You've got to have people you can trust with your heart. And not everybody in his life was right for that particular moment in his life. And not everyone around you can properly handle the amount of transparency that you need to have to break through in certain moments of life. See, in verse 34, Jesus got very... um, He got very transparent with these three men. And we don't see Jesus getting very vulnerable very often in the Gospels. 
Matter of fact, we see Jesus demonstrating a lot of peace and a lot of strength and a lot of divinity and a lot of power. He dem- But in this moment, Jesus demonstrated one of the most necessary ingredients to break through in moments of pressure, vulnerability. And Jesus, he didn't get up there and just share it with everybody. Jesus got very vulnerable. He said, my soul is troubled to the point of death. You ever felt that bad? You ever gone through a season like that? (laughs) You ever gone through a time that's like, nope, I don't just feel bad. I feel like death. Death warmed over. I'm dealing with mega stuff in my life. Transparency was needed. And it was rare to see this, but it's important to see how Jesus did it. Because vulnerability in the wrong environment will actually lead to devastating things in your life. But vulnerability in the right environment will actually lead to breakthrough in your life. So here's some things we can learn from Jesus and how he leaned into the right people. First of all, he didn't stay silent. Jesus didn't say, well, I can't trust all these guys with my heart, so I won't trust any of these guys with my heart. See, here's the temptation that we fall into as people. We either, we either talk to no one or we talk to everyone. Jesus didn't do either one of those things. Jesus was a both and person. He understood that he could not stay silent. See, secrets will keep you sick and keep you bound. Secrets will keep you locked up in the battle that you're fighting. As long as the battle stays inside of you, you are on a crash course to lose. But the moment your struggle leaves your lips, its power begins to leave your life. There is so much power in talking about, in getting what you're dealing with out of your life. So the Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, people that we talk to, people that give us wisdom. As as long as you keep it inside, you're on your own. You're isolated. But the moment it comes out of your life, it loses its power over your soul. And the reality is some people stay silent only because they don't have the right people around them. So one of the things I want to encourage you, if you say, well, pastor, I don't have anyone like that in my life. I don't have people that I can trust. I would say this, determine to be a person someone else can trust and God will send you someone you can trust. Or seek out a spiritual leader. Speak out somebody that you might not be intimately connected to, but you know that you can trust. But get the battle outside of you. There's power in having the right people. He didn't reveal his struggle to everybody. Jesus didn't bust out his iPhone 12 and post on Insta, having a terrible day. My soul is grieved to the point of death. Hope I get a bunch of likes on this to bring some gratification to my situation. He didn't shoot a TikTok, feeling terrible, might die later, I don't know though. Like he didn't do that. But see, a lot of times because we don't have companions... We substitute with social media. And social media is a poor substitute for a companion. And there's too many people trying to do life, 
treating Instagram like a companion, but not reaping the benefit of it. And you wonder why you're still empty. You wonder why you're not supported. You wonder why the like on your post didn't satisfy the need of your heart. It's because God wired you for companionship. There are people out there God wants to use to restore your soul. There are people out there that love you. If you feel alone, just know it's a lie. You are not alone. If nothing else, you have the church, the body of Christ. We love you. We're for you. And you are not alone. Get the battle outside. And don't just do it to everybody. He didn't even get vulnerable to all of his friends. From 11 to 3, Jesus knew who the right people were. See, the wrong people will mishandle you in important moments. Not because they're bad people, but because they don't know how to handle the level of vulnerability that you need to express. Your children are not the outlet in your moment of trial. Your employees are not your outlet in your moment of trial. You've got to have the right people. And wisdom will help you know the difference. See, the temptation will always be in to lean into everybody or to lean into no one. But there is power in leaning into the right ones. So, how do you know who the right ones are? Well, who do you know that can keep a confidence? To me, this is number one. Can you be trusted with information? If I share things, do they leak? Sometimes I'll even test people. Some of y'all are like, what? (laughs) I'll share something and just wait a month. See if other people, see if I start getting texts. Hey, just praying for you. (laughs) Heard a little something, thought you might be going through. And I'm like, all right, not a companion. (laughs) It's okay to test people, by the way. Who can keep a confidence? Who is loyal? Who is spiritual in your life? Who demonstrates a healthy life in the area that you have a struggle in? If you're struggling in your marriage, don't go to Uncle Bill that's had 17 divorces. That's not wisdom. Come on, somebody. Go to somebody who has gone through the fire and came out with some gold at the other end. Find somebody in your life, by the way, that doesn't just want you to win, but wants your marriage to win. There's a difference. Some of y'all have been going to your buddies and they're like, you know what? Heck with her, bro. You need to just, this is a battle. You need to fight this battle. And it's like, you're going to win and lose your wife. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you got to lose a battle to win the war. The right people will help you realize what the war is. The right people will help you say, no, you need to be humble. You need to get this right. You need to apologize. You need to keep your eye on the prize. You need to not win a battle and lose your marriage. Win a battle and lose your children. Win a battle and lose your job. Wisdom will help you know the difference. The right people will speak the right thing into your life. Ask them to pray for you. Ask them to stand with you. I love that Jesus said, will you just pray with me for one hour? It's amazing to me that the Son of God needed people to pray with Him in His time of need. How much more do we need people to pray with us in our time of need? Do you know somebody going through something? Just pray with them. And don't just tell them, I'm going to pray for you, bro. Stop and pray for them right now. (laughs) Pray that God would touch their life. 
Lean into the right people. Number two, this is my second thought. I need you to get this down. Here's how you navigate the press. Not just leaning into the right people, but lean in to your Father in heaven. Lean into your Father in heaven. I love the heart of Jesus in this moment. He leaned into people, but he also leaned into his Father. And I love that Jesus got so vulnerable, he cried out, Abba, Father. It's literally an intimate word for dad. It's like he was saying, Daddy God, Abba, Father. He pursued the private place with his dad. I want to ask you a question today that I think is so important if you're going through a difficult time. How do you perceive God? How do you see God? Is He a loving Father to you? Or is He an angry, bearded dude in the sky just waiting for you to slip up so He can hit you with a lightning bolt? Some of us have gotten twisted. Some of us, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you think God's punishing you all of a sudden, you know? You don't get a promotion. You're like, well, God hates me, you know? See, Jesus understood that his circumstances did not dictate who his God was. His circumstances could be bad, but his father was still good. And he knew that. And here's why it's important, because how you perceive God will determine how you pursue God in times of trouble. If he's angry and distant, you won't run to him when you need help. But if he's present and kind and compassionate and full of mercy then you will run to that God when you need help the most. And what I love is the Bible does not paint God as an angry God. It paints God as a compassionate Father who is patient, who wants none to perish, but all to come to eternal life. Paints Him as a God that opens up His heart and His throne that we could come before God and find help in our time of need. That's the God we see in the Scripture. How you perceive God will determine how you pursue God. This is important because religion tells us, man, I'm in trouble. I hope God doesn't find out. But if you understand that you're a son or a daughter of God, then your heart will be, I'm in trouble. I need to go to my Father. And you'll find help when you need it. And I've learned that the devil will do all that he can to take advantage of us in our moments of weakness, in our times of trouble. He will try to get you to run from God instead of to God. He will fill your head with lies that contradict Scripture. He will fill your head with lies that contradict reality. And one of the great things that the enemy will try to do is to get you to run away because if you'll run away, he can take advantage of you. If he can get you isolated, divide and conquer is the age-old strategy of Satan. If he can just get you alone or to perceive that you are alone, then he can take advantage of you. And one of the ways he does this, this is going to set somebody free. One of the ways he does this is by getting you to think about your problem instead of praying about your problem. If I were to ask some of you today, Do you pray about your issues when you're going through them? You would tell me yes and mean it. But if you really evaluated your life, all you're really doing is mulling the problem around in your head, but you're never really bringing it to God in prayer. 
The more you think about your problem, the more anxiety, fear, and imagination will grow. The more you pray about your problem, the more the peace of God, the presence of God, and the power of God will be released into your life. God wants to respond to your needs. He wants to answer your prayer. He is a good father that delights in answering your prayer. But it is the prayers that we pray that God delights in responding to. Some of us, our lives would change if instead of thinking about our problems so much, we would pray about our problems more. Can I get an amen? Some of y'all just need to go home and start praying more. Give your mind a rest. It's tired. It's tired of thinking about how all that's going to work out. It's tired of thinking about how all that stuff's going to connect and how you're going to just give it to God and watch the miraculous happen in your life. It's so important. See, God's your help in need. He's your strength in weakness. And Jesus did something that I think is so important for us in verse 35. And it says that Jesus went a little bit farther He went a little bit farther and began to pray again. I think a lot of times our tendency is to just step back and coast and do some Hail Mary prayers in our difficult times. But I want to help you see your difficult moment as an opportunity instead of just a problem. In every problem you face, there's an opportunity to go a little farther with God. Jesus understood That in this very difficult moment, he could not settle to go so far and then give up. Jesus had to go a little bit farther and spend some additional time with God. And for some of us, I just want you to know that maybe the reason why you haven't experienced breakthrough in your life is because God is inviting you into a deeper place in him. That he's actually using, not causing, but using this moment of your life as an opportunity for you to pursue Him in a greater way. Jesus went a little bit farther. Let me say it this way. Sometimes if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And can I just tell you, if you're facing a problem that's bigger than you've ever faced, then you may need to flex some faith. Come on, that's bigger than you've ever flexed before. Your problem, your situation, your moment that you're in, it is an opportunity for you to pray a little more, for you to fast a little longer, for you to push a little harder on the situation, for you to lean into God at a deeper level. I'm telling you, there is breakthrough waiting for you. There is power. Available to you. There is a God that loves you that is waiting to respond. If you'll go a little bit farther, there are some things that you get in life, friends, just because God loves you. And there are some things that come out of your pursuit of God. Let me say it this way some things come just because heaven makes a demand on your behalf. God sees you, God answers you. I'm convinced we are walking in more answers from heaven than prayers we've prayed. There are things I'm I'm stepping into, you're stepping into. You didn't even pray the prayer, but God sent the blessing. And you take it for granted. Well, my life's just always been this way. Things just always work in my favor. No, God's favor is upon your life. You didn't ask for it, but God gave it to you anyway. That's the God we serve. But there are times, there are times... When it's not heaven that makes a demand on your behalf, there are times when you have to make a demand on heaven. 
where you stand on the word of God. You stand on what you know to be true about God. You stand on who you know him to be. No devil, my God provides. No devil, my God gives me favor. No, my God is a restorer. No, my God makes all things work for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It ain't good yet, so God's not done yet. And you make a demand on heaven and you believe God until what you know to be true about God and what you see in this book from God becomes true in your life. Don't stop short of your breakthrough. God has more for you. Don't settle for half a blessing. Don't settle for half a healing. Don't settle for one of your kids getting saved. Believe God for the whole family. Believe God for everything Jesus paid for. Jesus didn't die on a cross so part of our family could get saved. So part of our life could be changed. He didn't get up out of the grave so half of our death could be raised to life. He bought the whole thing. My God, I need to go to Florida more often. Preaching better than you're giving me credit for. I'm telling you, there is more. There's more in God. If you'll go a little bit farther. There's more. You haven't seen all of God's blessing. You haven't seen all of God's healing. You haven't seen all of God's favor. We haven't seen all that God has for our church. We haven't seen all the campuses yet. We haven't seen a fraction of the souls saved yet. We haven't seen a fraction of the miracles yet. God is still moving. There is more in God. Our future is greater than our past. If you believe it, shout Amen. This is the God we serve. There's more. It's always an opportunity for a little bit more. And listen, there's something to be mined out of the seasons of life that hurt. There's something to be mined out of it. There's an experience. There's a testimony. There's a power. There's an oil. There's some things in God you can't get if everything is just daisies, rainbows, and sunflowers. Jesus got up out of the grave in resurrection life, but He still had scars on His hands. He got up in fullness of resurrection power, but there was still a hole in His side. I think what God's looking for is not perfect people. It's not people that have never experienced anything in your life. I got good news for you. If you've been through some stuff, if you're broken in an area, if you've got some areas in your life that aren't perfect yet, then Jesus is the God for you. He's the God for imperfect people because He was a perfect one so that you don't have to be. He can restore your brokenness. He can heal your sickness. He can restore your life. It's what He invites you into. And on the other side of your trial, you are healed and stronger. You are fixed and greater. You are resurrected and bigger than you were before. You are always bigger when you get up than when you go down. If you believe it, shout one more amen. That's the God we serve. He's the God that gets us up better, gets us up bigger. Yeah, you got some scars, but there's some power on that scar. There's some testimony on that battle wound that you went through. Yeah, I went down, but I got up again. Yeah, I struggled with addiction, but God set me free. Yeah, I went broke, but God restored my business. Yeah, I got betrayed, but God brought some better people into my life. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. My last Gethsemane season, full disclosure, was 2020. 
And I met with a couple of the mentors in my life. And I just shared what I was going through and that I was discouraged. I was tired. I was eating too many milkshakes. The universal one doesn't count. That one's under grace. And you know, he looked me in the eyes and he said, Jordan, you'll come out of this with muscles you didn't have going in. And you know what? He was right. Just like God's been faithful for every other thing I've ever been through in my life, he was faithful in that one. And sometimes we just get spiritual amnesia. We forget that God's carried us through everything we've ever been through. And we think somehow this thing we're dealing with is somehow the anomaly. And this one, well, it's just bigger than God. Newsflash, nothing is impossible for God. (laughs) He was faithful before, He'll be faithful again. Jesus saw His Father and knew His Father to be faithful before. And He knew in this moment He would be faithful again. Live or die, God is faithful. Rich or broke, God is faithful. Healed or struggling, God is faithful. I will trust God. That was Jesus. He said, God, he always asked God for the best. Always believed for the best. He said, God, spare me from this thing. But if not, your will be done, not mine. He landed in a place of trust, which is where I want to land with you today. This is my final thought. And I'll get you out of here to the buffet. It's only 1119. We'll beat the Baptists today. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all would barely be getting to church. Let's be real. Most of y'all would be getting in your car right now to get to second service. August 1st, you got a chance to start fresh. Come on. I want to leave you with this today. Trust God. Trust God for the outcome. Trust God. In the middle of hell... You know, I don't know what it is about the human condition, but we're always wanting to understand why. You ever, you ever find that? My, my kids, this is their thing right now. Hey, we're going to go to the store. Why? Why don't you go clean your room? Why? Hey, Jeremiah, how are you doing today? Why? Like, why does it matter? Just get in the car. <laughs> But it's just what we want to know. We laugh, but some of y'all are 60 and you still ask God the same question every time we go through something. I'm guilty of it. God, why? (laughs) What's going on? Here's the thing though. You know, psychologists clinically, they say that almost everybody going through trauma asks why. And this is what they call it in the psychological world. They call it a false search for blame. Inside, what we want to do is assign blame somewhere. We want somebody to be at fault for what we're going through. This has to be somebody's fault. This has to be somebody's fault. It's a false search for blame. But here's what I've realized, friends. I've learned that the hard time is not the right time to ask why. The hard time... It's not the right time to ask why. Here's what I think is a better question we should ask. Because why at its root is filled with fear, 
It's filled with hurt. It's filled with pain. Why is trying to blame somebody? And the sad part is, is a lot of us end up blaming God. We end up blaming somebody we love. Somebody we love didn't even hurt us. But the byproduct of our pain is a broken relationship with someone we need. All because we needed someone to blame. Why is filled with pain and will lead you to a place of pain? The better question to ask is what? Not God, why is this happening? But to ask God, what are you doing? Because why is filled with fear and pain, but what is filled with hope and expectation? You can put an expectation on what? You can be going through hell and say, God, this is the worst. But I know this about you. I know you are the God that makes beauty from ashes. You are the God that makes all things work out for good. Because I love you and I'm called according to your purpose. So I know that this place I'm in will not be the place I stay. Because you are a good God and you're going to bring me out the other side of this. So I don't need to know why. But God, I'd like to know what. What are you doing in this moment? What are you teaching me in this place? What muscle are you building in my life? Because I don't want to just go through it. I want to grow through it and come out the other side better than I went in. What will make you better? Why will make you bitter? The press is a time to trust God. To hope in His great faithfulness. To stand on what we know to be true about God. That His will is perfect and His intention is good for me. And I even feel in my spirit right now, there are people here, you've never heard that about God. You've never heard that He's a good God. And that everything He does is for your good. And I just want you to know, I might be young, and I might not be able to grow a good beard yet. How many of you know when you look this good, you don't have to hide it? Listen, I might not be able to grow a beard. I might need to work on my humility. But I've been through some stuff in my life. I got some scars. More than any of you know, I've been through some stuff. But you know what? I've learned that God always brings you out better in the end. And even though the devil's intentions were bad, and even though sometimes your own self becomes your worst enemy, and its intentions toward you are not good, sometimes people you love betray you, and things are not good, I've learned that God is always good, and His intentions are always good toward me. And if I will reach out and embrace God, and trust Him in the midst of it, He will bring me out the other side better, and bigger, and more dependent on Him than I was when I went in. If you'll trust Him. I love James chapter 1 verse 2 through 4 and he says dear brothers and sisters when troubles of any kind any kind that includes your kind by the way your kind is not excluded some of y'all came in here and you're like my problems are bigger than your problems you don't even know what i'm dealing with i'm a mess you know what god's bigger than your mess i don't care how bad you are god's better god's bigger god's love is greater There's probably a point in my life where I was a bigger mess than you could ever imagine. But God's love was bigger. 
God's love was better. And he hadn't changed. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, listen to what he said. This is so crazy. He says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's what he says, an opportunity. Wait, wait, wait. Trials of any kind, we got to understand he was writing to a persecuted church. They were killing people for loving Jesus. They were stripping your businesses and your family and your freedom and all kinds of stuff away. I, wouldn't, I know we wouldn't know anything about our freedoms being stripped away right now. They were stripping away all kinds of things, stripping things out of your life. You know what he said? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Any, all trials, any trials, it's an opportunity. For what? Great joy. Great joy. Great joy. My family member was murdered for their faith. My business was stripped away from my life. I've got issues. Go, Great joy. You know why? Because what God gives is never dependent on what the world gives. It's never dependent on what the world gives. What God gives is for you and no one can take it away. And no matter what you're dealing with, it is an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to what? Grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I need you to get one more thing and we're done. It's my final closing today. But I need you to get this. The difference between punishment and pruning is always intention. Pruning is a spiritual thing in which God removes things from your life that are actually holding you back. Punishment is when somebody is hurting you or inflicting some kind of something on you for something that you did or didn't do. What I've learned is punishment and pruning oftentimes look the same on the outside. The difference is the intention behind it, though. If you've ever pruned a, a bush, a tree, a rose bush, I've tried. It looks like you're cutting it down to nothing. But the intention is that it would grow back bigger and better. To punish something, you could cut it down to nothing but you intend for it to die. And here's something I want to point out to you. In God, many times the trials you go through, they may look the same as other people enduring punishment. It may look the same as other people getting something maybe they deserve. I don't know. Or going through something they brought on them. So maybe you're here today and you say, I'm going through something. I didn't deserve this. I don't deserve what I'm going through. Here's what I've realized. When Jesus was on the cross, he didn't deserve that either. And to the outward, the outward perspective, it looked like three people getting the same thing. All three died the same death. Pretty much the same anyway. To the Spectator, it looked like three people getting punished. But that's not really what was happening. Two people were being punished. One was being pruned. And the difference is always what the intention is on the other side. Jesus came up in glory and power. And I need you to understand if you're going through a difficult circumstance, you can trust that God is pruning your life so that you will come back bigger and better than you've ever been. 
And to the outward, listen, it'll hurt the same. When a Christian goes through pain, it hurts the same as anybody else going through pain. The difference is what the byproduct will be on the other side. When you go through something without Jesus, you just endure pain. But when you go something through something with Jesus, you're bigger on the other side. And I just want to encourage you. You might be going through it like Jesus. You might feel like you're suffering right along with everybody else. It hurts the same, maybe even more. But on the other side, your end will be you being bigger and better and more like Jesus than you've ever been before. Do you believe that, church? I want to pray over you. I'll invite our prayer teams to come. I just want to pray over each of you today. I want to pray that no matter what you're going through today, that you would just receive something from God, that you would receive maybe even a fresh revelation of who God is, and you would understand that God is not against you, He is for you. That God does not hate you, God is madly in love with you. And He proved it by sending His own Son to die a sinner's death on the cross. Once and for all, proving that God loves us with an everlasting love. And willing to lay His own life down for me and for you. And so I just want you to bow your heads right now, close your eyes, and have a minute with the Lord. If you're here today and you'd say, first of all, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. I'm separated from God. Maybe you came in here today and you thought God hates me. God doesn't even love me. God would never want me. I believe the Holy Spirit's working in hearts right now, revealing the love of Jesus to each and every one of us. And if you're here today and you'd say, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ or at one point you were walking with Jesus but you've fallen away and you know you're not in a good place with God. And today you need to receive fresh love, fresh mercy, fresh grace over your life and you need to begin again in the resurrection power of Jesus. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to slip your hands up high in the air on the count of three and I'm going to pray for you. One, two, three. Flip them up high. High, high, high. Nothing to be ashamed about. Raise them up proud that you want Jesus in your life. You're trusting Jesus with your life. Hands everywhere. I'm going to pray a prayer with you. It really doesn't matter what I pray. It matters what your heart prays. Because God is going to respond to your heart and respond to your faith. And He is the God that saves, that redeems, that transforms lives. And this prayer you're going to pray right now has the power to transform your life because it's a prayer that's going to invite Jesus Christ Himself, the resurrected Son of God, into your life by His Holy Spirit. He's going to forgive your sin. He's going to change your life. He's going to begin something brand new in you right now that is going to continue through all of eternity. That's how amazing it is. It's so awesome. The Bible calls it this. It's like being born again. And so with every hand raised, just hold them up. I just want to pray. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, you see every single person that's raising their hand. Online family, if you need Christ, I'm praying for you right now that you would receive Jesus into your life. Jesus, would you save? Would you hear the heart cry of every single person receiving you today? Lord, respond by your Holy Spirit. Fill them, make them brand new. And I pray they would experience the resurrection life of Jesus, that their sin would be washed away, that a brand new life would be given to them right now, that they would continue to walk out for the rest of eternity. That's what you paid for, Lord. We ask for it in your mighty name. Amen.